All right, good morning. Happy Father's Day. You excited it's Father's Day? Yeah? That's not real. I mean, let's be honest. This may be the most pointless holiday, isn't it? What do you think? No? No? I mean, is it though? I mean, is it really an important holiday, you think? Well, it's not even really a holy day, but is it an important holiday? Is it? Why'd they put it in June? I mean, think about that. May, we give the, we give the ladies Mother's Day. It's kind of like the April showers are over. May's beautiful, right in the middle of spring. But, you know, right in time for when the kids are at home breaking everything, let's celebrate dads, the hottest time of the year, right? Right? Yeah? Happy Father's Day to all of you. And, it, and think about the gifts. What are some of the traditional gifts that are given at Father's Day? A tie. What a fun reminder to say, get back to work, Right? <laughs> Or some of us who don't wear ties, it's a reminder, you could do better, right? Here's a fun tie. What's another Father's Day gift? Drill. Did someone say drill? Yes, a reminder that when things break that you didn't break, you get to fix it, right? I mean, that's, that's Father's Day. And I'm actually, to be honest with you, I'm wondering how much longer we're going to call it Father's Day and not um, co-parent day. Or we've got kids in the room, so PG but uh, giver of things day. I don't know, you know, or, or think about Mother's Day. I read that there was a congressperson that wanted to call it birth, birthing person, call them birthing persons. Does that, does that feel good to you ladies in here? Happy birthing person. Now I did not plan this, but there has been, I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask a few, cause the kids are down here today. By the way, we need more workers upstairs. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and that's for mothers or fathers or non-birthing other people, right? <laughs> Anybody wants to volunteer, they can. But I didn't plan this, but it's been, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's been somewhat controversial um, to define what a man or what a woman is. There's a documentary out, I have not seen it, so I can't endorse it or say whatever, but I've seen a couple of things about it. But a guy basically goes around and just asks people what a woman is. And he, believe it or not, can't really find a lot of people that have a good answer. So I'm looking at my son who's laying down because I think he's tired. Are you tired? Yeah. Yeah, we'll see why he's tired. I think it's because he likes to stay up late, get up early, and watch TV when his parents are still in bed. Yeah, you're nodding. Uh, Come here, son of mine. Come here. We didn't plan this. But let's see, let's see how this works, all right? He's a, he's a, he knows how to dress. Actually, to be honest with you, I saw his, dress, his shirt, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll wear, I'll wear mine. I did, I copied it. Wait, say that, I don't think they heard you. What did I do? He copied me. Yeah. It's true, it's true, it's true. And uh, his little brother copied him, too, so all, all three of the Wilsons at church today copied him. Oh, you copied him? Well, I did He had the shirt on and I wanted to wear it. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. See, that's how our family works. We lead from, from the five-year-old. The five-year-old's the leader. All right. So I didn't, we didn't plan this, but let's do this. Um, let's ask him a, what seems to be a very tough question. Okay. What is a man? A man, uh, they can't have birth. They're not a woman because of their DNA. Also, because of our privates. We different. Hey, hey, listen. 
There's nothing to be ashamed. Say the full answer. Uh, penis. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what, that's what, yeah, you can clap for that. Yeah, that's a man. That's true. That's true. Now, this seems to be another difficult question. What's a woman? Uh, they can have babies. It's also in their DNA. And the exact same thing, just different. Right. They don't have a penis. Yeah. Okay, all right, very good. All right. All right, good. Give a hand for Asher. Well done. Well done. Yeah, at, ha- at the house we say, what, what do y'all say? Hoo-haws, yeah. We're pretty accurate when it comes to biology, but apparently not with that. So there you go. And which is good because there's parents and little kids in the room and y- y'all might be offended by that. I sure hope you're not. <laughs> I hope you're not. Because that's like the most basic. If uh, Shiloh's upstairs, if he was up here, I'd ask him the same thing, except he's more emphatic about it. He's very proud of why he is a man. <laughs> very proud. So yeah, I wonder, you know, I wonder if, if we'll get to a place where that's going to be controversial to say happy Father's Day or happy Mother's Day. I hope not. I hope not. Uh, and I was joking earlier. I, th- I think it's a pretty important day. In fact, I would go so far as to say that um, I, th- I think fathers are not more important than mothers. I don't mean to say that. But I definitely think we're at a place to where fathers deserve much more attention than they've been given. I think that. In fact, if, I, if someone asked me why are there problems in the world, I'd have two answers. The first answer would be a lack of recognition for Father God. That would be number one. Number two would be the absence of fathers in homes. I think that all the problems of the world boil down to probably those, most of them boil down to those two things. And really, we could, su- we could put those together and summarize all the problems by saying just a lack of recognizing Father, heavenly and earthly. Now, that is not to say that men haven't done their part in that problem. Uh, We have. That's why uh, the situation is the way that it is, is because of fathers and the mistakes that we have made. But I do hope that the men in this room who are fathers are proud to be fathers. I hope the women in this room are proud of the fathers that are in this room. I look around and I see fathers that do things every single day that I think are are important and should be respected. my brother Edgar, they just got back from a vacation. I don't know if y'all saw pictures of it, but is anybody else jealous? Yeah. Yes, we're, 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 very, we're very... There were people that spent the whole week in Florida and they say that they are jealous. That's how good that vacation was, all right? Yes, the totally different things, I'm with you. Um, but y'all, they took a flight. Uh, he didn't fly the airplane. However, to get there, I found out today that they had to go to Houston. Who drove the car to Houston? You did? Shocker. Uh, this family drove, <laughs> and they are here today at church, by the way. Both families got back from a really long vacation. Very tempted probably to stay home and sleep. Probably tempted to sleep right now. I'll do my best, gentlemen. Um, but you drove, I think, 15 hours? Who drove? You did? Interesting. It, 14 hours, actually. Wherever there's a good dad, there's a son to put him in his place. Right, right, right. He did it faster. Uh, Speaking of my man, Moses, who recently became a father, when Olivia started going upstairs in the mornings, who went up there with her? You did. He went up there and started volunteering upstairs, right? Carlos, there's a knock at your door at 3 a.m. Who's answering that door? You are. I bet there's not much of an argument with Keta. No, you do it. No, you do it. 
I'm pretty sure, in fact, it's pretty emphatic that if anybody approached the door, you would use your dad voice to move back and that you would handle it. 100%. Right. And there's probably, there's a lot, uh, my, my, my man right here, all right? Gabriel, you have a daughter with you? Yeah. How does she get to church all these months? Who brings her? You do. Do you think that has an impact in his daughter's life? I mean, I'm looking at some great fathers. Fathers I didn't even mention. Josh right here, who's an awesome father, who I know would do any. Just, we're, we, there's great fathers all around here. And, and I hope that you know that what you're doing is the most important role, that mother and father. It doesn't get, it doesn't get more important than that, period. San Juan was joining our Bible study earlier on the phone because he had to work today. And I know the sacrifices he's made for his family. I mean, listen, don't let what's going on outside in our society water down what you do and what you represent. Are there bad fathers? Yes, right here. Make mistakes all the time, all right? No one's perfect. Mothers make mistakes, fathers make mistakes, but you need to know that in God's perfect plan, a father is part of that family. He is there to protect that family, to care for that family, to be the one that opens that door when danger's in the way. When the ship's going down, it's mother and children first, right? Women and children first, just the way that it is. So give us the ties, give us the, the drills, the fishing poles, remind us we need better jobs and we need to go out and provide, that's fine. But uh, I hope it is a happy Father's Day to you. Um, I do wanna talk about uh, Father, I do want to talk about our perfect father, and I want to talk about something that's a little difficult, okay? Um, and that is discipline. Uh, fathers in the room, this is a tough question. You do not have to answer. You do not have to answer. It is okay. It's okay. I, this is being recorded. I don't think you're on camera, so you don't have to worry about that. But fathers that are in the room, how many of you discipline your kids? And when we say discipline, it could be all forms of discipline, all right? Um, it could be the type where it's like, all right, listen, you, you, you don't get to watch TV anymore. Or no, you need to sit here right here. Or it could be even, let me take off my belt. Any kids in the room, it's okay. Safe space. Kids in the room, have you ever had a belt or a spoon or something like that spank you? Have you ever been spanked with something like that? Raise your hand, raise your hand. A hundred times. The Holic children were very quick to, yes, my own son. So discipline, and let's talk about discipline and punishment. There's a big difference, okay? And it can be confusing. And, and kids in the room, parents, we make mistakes all the time. We're not perfect, okay? But we love you very much, and we try to do the best that we can. But the big difference between discipline and punishment, of course, is what is the purpose? What's the motivation? What do we hope the end result to be? Discipline, you're hoping that you're correcting something, you're hoping that something can improve as a result of that discipline. Punishment is just you do A, here's the result of A. And there's a place for that in our world, to be honest with you. There is a place for that in our world. When people do really bad things, there should be some sort of deterrent, some sort of punishment. I get that. But when we talk about our children, when we talk about a father, it's really not punishment. It's really discipline. The idea is a correction a loving support. It may not seem loving to the kids at the time, but really it is doing what is necessary. Kids, that may be something that you need to realize that when your parents discipline you, if they put you in a timeout, they ground you, they take something away, they hit you with, uh, they spank your bottom with your hand or a belt or whatever, that really, in fact, 
most of the time when they're doing it the right way, it's actually a great form of love. Because here's the idea. If you're doing a behavior, kids, that you don't see why it's bad, but your mother and father, they know where that behavior leads because they're older. They've seen it in their own lives. And so they've got a decision. All right, I'm going to step in and discipline my child. They won't like that. They may even cry. They may even get mad at me, but I'm going to do that because I'm going to stop the end result that I know is going to be really bad later. Or I'm going to let them do what they want to do because that'll make them happy, even though I know in the end it's going to be really bad. What do you think your parents are going to do? They're going to step in, and even though it may be hard at the time, it may be either make you mad or make you sad or make you angry. They know that in the end, it's going to be what's best for you. Bedtime is the best example. Kids, y'all like to stay up late? Yeah, of course you do. That's like my number, that's like the, my kids' number one thing every day is to see how late they can push it. Every day. Every day it's a battle. And they're smart, intelligent kids, and they know the answer every day. But it's like, no, you, but why? No, you need to go. But tomorrow we don't, no, you need to go to bed. Because we know as parents that when they don't get sleep, they are monsters the next day or zombies or both. They'll be a monster for a little bit and then a zombie for a little bit. They'll crash. They, their eyes get heavy. They get irritable. They get in fights with their siblings. The whole day is hours of agony and it could have been avoided if they went to bed one hour earlier. They don't understand that kids. I know you don't understand it, but we do as parents. That's discipline. We do something that you may not like in the moment because we know the end result is what's better for you. Now for everybody in the room, we have a perfect father and discipline is part of our reality with that perfect father. So I want to talk about that. But before I do that, I want to talk about one of the great heroes of our faith. All right. If I said, who is the greatest person of the old Testament? All right. Who would you say that is? Go ahead. What do you think? Okay, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, okay, Elijah. These are all pretty good answers. Um, I think I told this story once before, but I ran into these, um, these Jewish men. I think it was at a batting cage, and we, this is a long time ago. This has to be almost 20 years ago. Uh, it was before we had kids. It was before we were married, but um, I think Rachel and I were still together, so I think maybe 19 years ago. I think, something like that. By the way, we just celebrated our anniversary yesterday, 17 years. Yep. I don't know what you give on 17 years, but I thought the gift was hate and disrespect because that's what I gave. We got into a fun argument. I was a terrible husband, so that's awesome. But just being vulnerable in front of you, uh, just so you know that things get rough. But you know what? We're still married. No, no exit strategy here. All right? Our line is until we meet Jesus, which... That's a fun way and say until we die, okay? Uh, for the kids in the room, all right? So there's no exit strategy here. She's not leaving. I'm not leaving. Um, I hope she's not leaving. Uh, but that's, 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 that's it, right? So it was her anniversary, but a long time ago, I think it was about 19 years ago, I ran into these Jewish men and we were talking and I did not know, but there was this 100, top 100 Jews. I did not know this list existed, right? Jesus is number two on their list. Very weird. Okay, he's either one or he shouldn't be on the list, right? And they, they didn't believe that he was the son of God. But like, yeah, but he did important stuff. He changed the world. I'm like, shouldn't be on your list, right? He's either one or he's off. But anyways, he was number two. Do you know who they had number one on their list? Was Moses, all right? Was Moses. So I want to talk about Moses real quick. So I'm going to do a couple of things. The first one is we're going to go to the end of his life. 
This is Deuteronomy chapter 24. I want you to listen to this. Now Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan. This is the promised land. So they're on the edge of the promised land. Okay, remember, they've been wandering through the desert. He's 120 years old. He's been leading the people for 40 years. Amazing things have happened through him. He's on this mountaintop looking over the edge of the land and seeing all of it from Gilead to Dan and all of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and all the land of Judah as far as the Western Sea and the Negev, which is the south, and the territory in the valley of Jericho, the city of the palm trees, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not go over there. So the Moses of servant, I'm sorry, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died in the land of Moab in accordance with the word of the Lord. And he, that is God, buried him in the valley in the land of Moab. But no one knows his burial place to this day. Now, I don't know if you remember, but if we read this in Exodus, uh, that Moses is called the friend of God, that he sees God face to face as a friend would. That's what Moses is called. He's the great prophet of God. He was tasked with taking the people, a slave nation, from Egypt, the great power of the world, through the wilderness to be the mediator between God and man, and he's not allowed to go into the promised land. Why? Anybody know their Bible? Share it, share it to someone next to you. Whisper it. Why was Moses not allowed to go into the land? Whisper it. I'll give you 30 seconds. I don't hear some whispering, which means you don't know or you're scared. It's okay. I heard a few people. Does somebody want to say it out loud? Go ahead. Disobedient. That's good. All right. Anybody want to be more specific? He hit a rock. Say again. Yeah, something about water. It's very good. So we're going to stay. We're going to go. Um, we're going to stay in the Old Testament. We're going to go to Numbers 20. Okay. Now, I want you to think about this. And think about if the punishment slash discipline fits the crime. We'll look at Numbers 20. We'll start with verse 8. Take the staff and you and your brother Aaron, assemble the congregation, and speak to the rock before their eyes. What do you say to the rock? Speak to the rock. Wow. You guys are good. I didn't tell them to put that up there. That's amazing. They're good that it shall yield its water. So you shall bring water for them out of the rock and have the congregation and their livestock drink. So Moses took the staff from before the Lord, just as, as he, the Lord, had commanded him. So Moses took the staff. He's doing just what God told him to do. Verse 10, and Moses and Aaron summoned the assembly in front of the rock. And he said to them, listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring water for you out of this rock so far? Doing everything God told him to do. Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff, and water came out abundantly in the congregation, and their livestock drank. This is an amazing story. Let's keep reading. See if you noticed a couple things there. But the Lord said, this is verse 12, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, since you did not trust in me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, 
For that reason, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Yikes. Now, did you notice something? It's small, but it's there for a reason. Remember, no detail in Scripture is there accidentally. You and I, might, you and I may not know why it is at the time. You may die. Uh, sorry, let me rephrase. You will die not knowing all of the truth of Scripture. That's how rich it is, and that's okay. But did you notice a couple of things there? Some very interesting little details. So let's go back. Let's see what, what God said. Verse 8, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes that it shall yield its water. So you shall bring water for them out of the rock and have the congregation and their livestock drink. Now, remember the people are grumbling. They're always upset. Why did you take us out of the land of Egypt just for us to die, just for our sons and daughters to die in the desert? They were always complaining. We don't have any water to drink. We don't have any food to eat. <clears throat> Every time they were showing distrust for God directed at his man, Moses. And Moses is constantly interceding. God is constantly showing up for Moses in really remarkable ways. Remember that one time Moses came down from the mountain and his face was glowing because he was in the presence of God? I mean, really? Can you imagine that? Remember that one time God allowed Moses to see him as he passed by him? The 10 plagues that were brought down on Egypt, who was the person that God used to voice those, to bring those about in front of the eyes of Pharaoh and the people? Moses. He was given so much. He was God's friend. The people are complaining. They don't have anything to drink. And so the instructions were very clear. Take your staff, speak to the rock. There will be water. Like he's done a hundred times, God's going to provide. But again, pay close attention. What does Moses do? So Moses took the staff from before the Lord, just as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron summoned the assembly in front of the rock. And he said to them, now this, this part, he wasn't instructed to say or not to say, but let's see if we can see or hear the tone. Listen now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? Seems like the attention is not on the Lord and his provision. Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock. Was he told to do so? No. Now, what very interesting detail is here that we can't look past? Twice. Shall I bring water out? <sighs> Nothing. I doesn't say this. This is, this is correct talking. You can discard it and you can leave it but I think the word twice is there for a reason. It's like there was just a little bit. God was giving him just a little bit more of a leash. He struck it again. He had to strike it twice, which shows a complete disobedience, a disregard for what God had told him to do completely. It wasn't an accident. He didn't forget. He was upset. I think you said angry. I think that's right. He was angry. And sometimes when we get angry, we make bad decisions, don't we, kids? Sometimes when we're angry, we disobey our parents, don't we? 
Sometimes we disobey them twice. Yeah. And sometimes there's discipline as a result. And the discipline here was, is that God looked at his man, Moses, and he says, you're not going to enter the land. Seems harsh. Let's go back. Let's go back to the end of Deuteronomy. Okay? I want to keep reading it. Since that time, this is verse 10. Since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom Yahweh knew face to face. For all the signs and wonders which the Lord, that's Yahweh there, sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh, all his servants in all this land, and for all the mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. What a way to go out. And by the way, did you notice the nugget? Who buried Moses? God did. This is his man. He loves him. This is, his, this is his son that he loves. Not the son of God, capital S-O-N, like Jesus, but son is in you and I. He's our father. When we believe in him, Moses believed. He believed. He did great and amazing things for his father, God. Was so obedient. But we've talked about this before. Daryl's talked about this before. Too much, to those who have been given much, What? Much is required. You're held more accountable. Listen, when my kids are in here, with all of your kids, no, I'm just joking. When, when, our, when my kids are with other kids and they're all, they're not, if they're all doing something really bad, I'm, I'm going to you know, put pastor and dad voice on at the same time and say, whoa, all right, I'm not going to beat your kid, most likely. But I'm going to tell them, yeah, no, no, whatever. But if they're all kind of just not doing anything bad, but, but they're doing something, I'm like, that's not right. I tell my son. I don't tell everybody else's kid. I'm like, come over here. I've told, I've told Jubilee, Asher this. I've told them, and they will all inevitably say, but, 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 they're, but they're doing I'm like, they're not my kids. You're my kid. So they may be doing it, but you're not doing it. <sighs> but, but no buts. My expectations for you are higher. And I know it's the same with all of you. I'm sure sometimes you look at my kids like, oh, the Wilsons. And that's okay. They're not your kids. I get it. But the point is, is that this is, this is God's man. Moses is God's man. He had given him so much. He expected obedience. And Moses wasn't. I mean, imagine, this is after crossing the Red Sea. This is after the ten plagues. This is after manna from heaven falling this is, this is, God has done all of this stuff. There is no reason for anybody to doubt God, especially Moses. And he completely disobeyed and he struck the rock twice. It was complete disobedience. But why? Why does he discipline us? It seems harsh. Any of y'all ever feel disciplined by God? Man. I felt beat up recently. I have felt like whatever holy belt God's got, he's using it. Now, I want to be clear here. Sometimes, kids, you make really bad decisions that bring about pain, and that pain doesn't come from your parents, right? You ever touch something really hot and it hurts? You ever kick something you thought would be soft and it was hard? 
Yeah. You ever played with something sharp and, sharp and got cut? Yeah. Yes. I hear a lot of yeses from the Holic boys. <laughs> it's very true, very true, very true. They're not at all like their parents. Not at all. Not at all. No, I'm just joking. But no, I love those boys. Those are my nephews. But no, no, listen. Are y'all listening? Are you listening, kids? Sometimes you make bad decisions and there are consequences and it didn't come from your parents, right? Same thing with God. Yeah, I feel beat up recently, but a lot of it is because Craig is making bad decisions and God's sitting there saying, mm, I really wish you wouldn't do that. Stop punishing me. I'm not. You're just dumb. That's what God's telling me. You know better. Listen, the world is created in such a way that there's cause and there is definitely effects. And sometimes when we do bad things, there are bad consequences. And it's not always discipline from God, but yet he allows it because still in a way he hopes that we will learn. So I don't want you to get, uh, get that idea twisted in your head. Bad things happen sometimes because we mess up and just make bad decisions. Adults, kids, we all do that. But sometimes God is disciplining us because he loves us. Let's go to Hebrews. The writer to the Hebrews, we don't know who wrote it. Uh, people used to think it was Paul, but it's probably not Paul. We're not sure who wrote it, and I don't think it matters who wrote it. The early church saw it as scripture um, from very early on. But we definitely see that it's written to, it's called Hebrews because it seems to be written to Jewish Christians, especially Jewish Christians who are going through some pretty difficult times, probably persecution. The early church went through a lot of persecution, okay? So with that in mind, the writer of the Hebrews says this, and I want you to think of yourself, that he's saying this to you. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. And he's quoting Proverbs here. My son or daughter, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are punished by him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he punishes every son whom he accepts. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what a son, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But his, he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems not to be pleasant, but painful. Yet, to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. 
should be encouraging to you. Now, there's a little part here that I think is really good that I don't want us to overstep as we get to the main point, but just kind of a smaller point. It says, we had earthly fathers that disciplined us and we respected them. Uh, Verse 10, for they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. Do you notice that? As seemed best to them. We've had earthly fathers that discipline us. Kids, you're going to have dads that discipline you. And we, we do what seems to be right. But what does that mean, seems to be right? Sometimes we might be wrong. And I know that there's times I've disciplined my kids. I'm like, that wasn't right. And I've had to tell them I'm sorry. I feel like I've told my daughter sorry a thousand times. But I'm a human. I make mistakes. But yet my daughter still respects me because she knows that I love her, even when I discipline her. How much more our Father God, who doesn't make mistakes, who doesn't get so angry and he just, you know. I mean, think about the, the, the Greek gods, the mythological gods, what terrible gods they would be if they were real. Why? Because they act like people with too much power. I don't like something. Oh, it wasn't him? I'll make another. It's no big deal. No, we don't have a God like that, right? We don't have, he knows everything. He loves you perfectly. We were just reading in Luke when it talks about how when a bird dies, God knows and that God knows the number of hairs on your head. That's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. I love my wife. Love her. Love her more than any of y'all do. All right. Would do just, yeah, would, would, would kill for her if I had to, right? I have no clue how many hairs are on her head. It's a lot. I know she keeps them, leaves them in places. Anybody, any other, any other husband is walking throughout the day and is like, what is, what is, you go to the bathroom, you have to turn the shirt inside out and you're looking at it and you're like, there it is. And it's just like all curled up mess. It's in your shirt. Yeah. I love it though. It's a subtle reminder to love and pray for my wife right then and there. Cause that's what I do. Every time, I hope. I hope. But yeah, yeah, listen, listen. I love her. Love her. But God loves her so much more. And he loves you so much. So that when the discipline comes, it's for a purpose. It's out of love to make you better, to teach you something. So that you don't make that mistake again. Right? It's to make us better sons and daughters for him, our father king. And remember, if we really believe, if we truly believe what the Bible says, then there is a kingdom that awaits where our father is on a throne and you are his princes and princesses that will rule the universe. Don't you think a little discipline now is worth that? So let's end by returning to Moses. Seems like a very harsh way to go out. I mean, this guy gave everything, right? I mean, was constantly, and even when God was trying to punish the people, he would, he would get on the ground like, please, please, please don't. Me, I would have been like, yeah, let's start over. Let's do this. Let's do Israel 2.0. You know, 
forget these guys. He didn't. He was amazing. He was amazing. God used him in such extraordinary ways. He called him a friend. We don't see that language really anywhere else where it says face to face with God. We don't see that. That's why he's number one on the Jewish top 100 list. All right. Yet he wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. That's not where the story ends with Moses. Some of you know. Let's go to Luke chapter 9. And I want you to think about how God treats his sons and daughters whom he loves. You ready for this? Mm. He died on a mountain with nobody around. God buried him. Joshua took the people in to conquer the land, not Moses. Man, God, it's too much. He didn't forget about Moses. He had something in mind. This is Luke chapter 9, verse 28. About eight days after these sayings, he took Peter, John, and James and went up the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his, that means Jesus' face, became different and his clothing became white and gleaming. And behold, two men were talking with him, and they were Moses and Elijah, who appearing in glory were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. You think Moses had a bad end to his story? Yeah, he died on the mountainside, and then where did he go? He was in paradise. While his people were conquering the land, he was with God. And that's still not the end. That's the end enough. Man, that's really harsh punishment. He gets to be in paradise with God. Ouch. But it doesn't stop there. He gets to be with Jesus, God incarnate. He gets to appear to affirm to Peter, James, and John that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, Moses, the prophets, Elijah. Can you imagine what that meeting was like? Here they are. Jesus is transformed to show his glory that is, was hidden while he was on earth. And here's Moses and Elijah just chatting. Moses was disciplined by a loving father because that father had more plans for him. Kids in this room, it's okay to get disciplined. On this Father's Day, hopefully you won't have to get the belt. Not on Father's Day. <laughs> act right on Father's Day. Mother's Day and Father's Day, act right. And for those of you who are like a little, time out, forget the belt, time out, whatever you do, water gun, I don't know, whatever you do. <laughs> Hey, whatever works. If it works, it works. If it's out of love and they don't have to go to the hospital, it works. It's good. All right. It's all right. But I hope you kids know. I hope you kids know, even the ones that are on the ground. I hope you kids know that your parents, they love you. And so sometimes they're going to have to discipline you to correct that behavior so that you won't make that mistake again. Because ultimately they're trying to make you into little men and women that love the Lord. That's our ultimate goal. Yeah, that's our goal. And our perfect father who doesn't make mistakes, 
He disciplines us too because he wants to make you into the men and women that he's got great, great plans for. Awesome plans. Listen, if you live in this life, my, my, my grandfather didn't quite make it to 100. He was three months shy of 100 when he passed away. It's a long time. Like that's more than twice my life. I think about that and I get tired. And I'm like, I don't know if I want that. But here's what I know. That's that long compared to the eternity to come. So whatever you're dealing with, whatever the struggle is, like Rachel and I right now, both our cars kaput. All four of our children received discipline this weekend. My son from the Navy. My other children from my wife and me, they all got disciplined this weekend. It's been a rough weekend compared to what is to come. Little compared to what is to come. What's scary is if you don't receive discipline from your parents or from the Lord. That means you don't belong to the family. And that's what some of you need to get right first. You need to belong in John, we learn that you're adopted in when you believe in Jesus. If you've never called out to Jesus, that's something that you need to do. What a great Father's Day gift it would be to acknowledge the son of the father who came to die and was raised for one purpose, your salvation. Amen? Amen. Amen. So discipline, it comes. Let it come. Let it come from your parents, kids, and let us all realize that it comes from the Lord because he loves us and he's got great plans for us. Amen and amen.